within his own lifetime, Dr. Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. Do you guys, uh, do you guys recognize that? Quantum Leap. That's right. You can turn it off. <laughs> Quantum Leap. Any fans of that show? Or, no? Just a couple. Oh, my goodness. Oh, here, this is the Quantum Leap section over here. That's great. Uh, well, as a teenager, I loved watching this show. It was about a man. Essentially, you just heard the intro to it. They explained the premise. And he would travel back in time, and he would uh, switch places with someone from the past. And each time, he would make a difference for good. At the beginning of the show, they explained the premise, and every time they said, there's this line that always caught my attention, and it's that Sam would set right what once went wrong. And that, that line, it just always stuck with me. Setting right what once went wrong. And it, it fascinated me, and I, I always wondered, how could someone go back in time and fix things that went wrong, changing them? for good. In the Gospel of Luke, Yeshua is immersed by John, then led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days, and then he begins his ministry on earth. And I want to focus today on the middle part, the time in the desert. During the 40 days in the desert, Yeshua is tempted by the enemy and quotes three different verses from the Torah in order to resist him. Two out of three of those scriptures are from this week's Parsha, Ve'et Hanan. And one of them is from next week's Parsha, Ekev. All three come from either Deuteronomy 6 or Deuteronomy 8. So the question is, why these particular scriptures? Why does Yeshua quote from the same area of scripture when being tempted in the desert. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe that was the Torah portion for that week, and he was just out in the desert with this Torah, and Satan came to tempt him, and he just said, well, this is what we're reading this week. I'll, I'll read him that. Or maybe, just maybe, there's a deeper connection. My theory is that Yeshua is connecting the Parsha, the story of Israel, with his own story. He represents Israel, and he also represents the Lord. Yeshua, being a representative of both, restores Israel to God in his ministry. He uses these three verses to point out what went wrong with Israel and to show how he's going to make it right with his own life. He is making right what once went wrong, just like the premise of one of my favorite shows, Quantum Leap.
We're going to look at the context for each of the verses that he quotes, the rest of the Parsha. Then I will show that Yeshua is pointing out what Israel failed to do. Next, I will show how Yeshua redeems and fixes those mistakes in his own ministry. So, what did Israel fail to do in all three cases? Trust the Lord. And so Yeshua redeems each one. He gets Israel to trust in God. After all, somehow Israel ended up in the desert due to lack of trust in God for 40 years. And Yeshua spends one day for each year in the desert, 40 days, turning it around for good. So let's see how he does it. Now, we don't have any overheads today, so uh, if you will turn in your smartphones to Luke chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, I'm going to be reading, I think, mostly from the NIV. So if you have a paper copy of the Bible, then you can uh, use that. Are you all with me? All right. Luke 4, verses 3 through 4. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Yeshua answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The full verse, verse that Yeshua quotes is actually from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. And it goes like this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As I see it, there are two commands here which are related. Number one, don't rely on the gifts that God gives, the manna, but rely on the giver, God. And number two, hang on to every word that comes from the Lord. The connection between the two is that relying on God instead of their gifts should have caused Israel to hear and obey his commands. But did they? Did Israel hear and obey? Did they rely on God and not the gifts and talents that God gave them? Did they trust the giver? No. Instead, they became proud. Did they hang on to every word and command from the Lord? No. They were disobedient. So let's take a look at Israel's record with these commands that are contained in the Parsha. The first one is, don't rely on what? The gifts that God gives you, but rely on the giver alone. Throughout these two Torah portions, this is this week's and next week's, there's a reminder of the uniqueness of Israel's gifts. Uh, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy 4, verses 7 through 8, I'm going to read that. And then I'm going to read the next verse a little bit later. It says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them, the way the Lord our God is near us? whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? And the Parsha goes on like this. The, the Torah asks, what other nation did God save from slavery from Egypt? To what other nation did God give the Torah? What other nation is God's own possession? 
What other nation did God feed in the desert? Only Israel. Israel is unique in her gifts. If I were reading this as an ancient Israelite, I might start to get a little puffed up, you know? Yes, we were chosen. We have all these gifts. We're very special. We were the, we were the first people to eat bread from the sky. This was way before Sky Mall. Very special. The potential for pride is why these passages are almost always coupled with a reminder of humility. You have the gifts, and you have, but be humble, Israel. For example, the next verse of Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. In other words, remember the giver and remember his commandments. There is a reminder to keep God's commandments and not be proud, along with every time Israel's unique gifts are mentioned. Israel, you have unique gifts, so don't let it go to your head. There is always a reminder that it was God who raised them up. God who brought them from slavery. God who chose them. This reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 29. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. The children of Israel are gifted and blessed, but not so that they can be puffed up. Rather, so they can show God's greatness, so they can trust in the giver. And so it is with us, my brothers and sisters. Each of us has a unique calling and identity unique gifts and talents, something to offer, something to bless the world around us. We must trust not in our abilities, but in the Lord who gives them to us. We must rely on his commands and listen. Unfortunately, Israel did not trust the Lord, but did trust in her own gifts. Israel did not understand that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the Lord. And what about the second part of the commandment? Did Israel rely on every word that comes from the Lord? Well, let's look at the word Deuteronomy. That's where we are, right? It's a Greek word in two parts. Deutero means second to, right? And nomos means law. So it's the law again. It's the Torah again. It's a repetition of other parts of the Torah. It's redundant. It's like saying the same thing over and over. Like reiterating. Like you're just going on and on saying the same. Okay, I think you got it. So that's, that's what Deuteronomy is. It's just a repetition of other parts of the Torah for the most part. And this, this section, our Parsha, is no exception. This week's and next week's Parsha are full of reminders, repetitions. Observe the commandments. 
Keep the commandments. Listen to the commandments. Remember the commandments. In this week's and next week's Parsha, the word commandment appears 20 times. And almost always accompanied by the verb shomer, or keep. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, Lishmor et mitzvot, keep the commandments. Deuteronomy 4.40, not much later, says, Vishamarta et chukav et mitzvotav, and you shall keep his statutes and his commandments. Deuteronomy 5.10 mentions shomre mitzvotav. He shows grace to the keepers of his commandments. So, why so many reminders? Maybe the Israelites were not as good at listening as they like to think they were. I think this is also true for me. You know, I think I might have heard, but when asked what someone said, sometimes I miss things, so they have to repeat it. Does that ever happen to you? You say, I've got it, I hear you, but you don't have it. You didn't hear them. The Shema, the main prayer of the Jewish people, which we say every week, we just said it. You know where it comes from? It comes from this Parsha, again. And uh, what does it say? What does Shema mean? Hear, listen, pay attention, keep my commandments. You know, we might think we've got it, that we don't need reminders, that we don't need to hang on to every word that comes from the Lord. But you know what? We do. We need to hear him. And, and you know what it takes to really listen to something that you've heard before? Humility and trust. Pride says, I know this. I've heard it already. Humility and trust say, let me set my ear to hear and my mind to understand. Because these words are life. Many of us have, ha- have heard verses before. And we may think we know what God is saying, but that doesn't mean we don't need reminders. Listening well, hanging on to every word that comes from the Lord, requires humility and trust. So we've seen that Israel trusted in the manna and their gifts instead of trusting in the commands of God. So how does Yeshua redeem this mistake in his own ministry, in his own life? Well, he also provides food, He multiplies the loaves uh, from nothing, or from a few loaves, just as his father did with the manna. So he's providing food as well. He's providing bread. But then after that, he has an interesting discussion with uh, some of his followers um, to show that he himself is the manna from heaven, manna that will last forever. In other words, Yeshua is both the gift, and the giver. He's the manna, and he's the Lord. So when they look to Yeshua for a sign, for a gift, he gives himself so that Israel will trust in the Lord. If you want to turn to John 6 with me, I'd like to actually read this with you. Um... This is, they find this exchange. So he's just multiplied the loaves, and now they're asking him about, about manna, and they're looking for a sign. Um, are you there? John 6? All right. Um, if you have the NIV, uh, it's later in John 6, I think verse 26. 
Um, if you could read Yeshua's words uh, with me. Starts with very truly. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And the people respond, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Yeshua says, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And the people say, What sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? You know, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Yeshua says, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, Sir, always give us this bread. And Yeshua says, What? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In his own body, Yeshua becomes the bread from heaven that will never run out. Yeshua himself is the bread that sustains life for those who trust in him. Yeshua is the manna, and Yeshua is the word. Thus, he redeems the mistake of the Israelites, looking to manna instead of to the word of God to sustain them. And this brings us to the second time that Yeshua is tempted by Satan in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. So he's in the desert. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Yeshua answered, It is written, quoting the Parsha, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So, did Israel worship the Lord only and reject the idols of the other nations? Unfortunately, no. The Parsha talks about the golden calf incident. Do we remember this? The Israelites had to get the Ten Commandments again because Moses came down, he saw their idolatry, he broke the tablets. So he had to go back up and get ten more. I guess they were the same ten, but he had to get new tablets. There are many, many reminders in the Parsha not to fall into idolatry, even in the future, with a reminder of the punishment. For example, in Deuteronomy 7, verses 12 and 16. It says, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you, as he swore to your ancestors. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. So, what is this saying? If Israel trusts God and follows his commandments, they'll be free from the diseases of the Egyptians. But if they follow the gods of the Egyptians, what will they get? The diseases of the Egyptians. But we see that the Israelites did fall into idolatry. 
So there, there were many diseases in the land amongst the people. And what does Yeshua do to redeem this situation? He heals Israel. In his earthly ministry, Yeshua makes right what once went wrong by healing and restoring Israel to health so that she can follow God's commandments in wholeness and righteousness. And we have seen that Israel did not trust Hashem's word, but in the manna and the other gifts. And we have seen that Israel, that Yeshua redeemed this by becoming manna himself. And we have seen that Israel did not trust in the Lord, but followed other gods of Egypt, thus incurring the diseases of Egypt. And we have seen how Yeshua redeemed this mistake by doing what? By healing them. And this brings us to the last time that Yeshua is tempted by the enemy, when Satan tells Yeshua to throw himself from the cliffs because the angels will break his fall. Yeshua says to the enemy in Luke chapter 4, verse 12, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The rest of this quote from the Torah says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. So right away you can tell this is a reference to a mistake that Israel made earlier. In fact, it refers to Exodus 17, when the Israelites questioned whether Hashem was with them or not. The word Massah means testing, because the Israelites were testing God. They asked Moses why he brought them up out of Egypt to die of thirst. They were complaining for lack of water. And this was just after he took them out of Egypt and gave them bread from heaven. And still, they were testing God to see if he would really take care of them. God said he would provide. God already provided. And he showed them that he would provide everything they needed. And still, they kvetched and tested him. That's some unholy chutzpah. You know, there's, there's holy chutzpah and there's unholy chutzpah. Testing God but not trusting him is the unholy kind. Unbelief says, yeah, he saved us from slavery and gave us bread from the sky, but he's not going to give us water. But faith says, let's listen to God. Let's rely on him in the desert. Let's not test him, but trust him. And so it is with us. Are we going to test God or trust God? Which one? All right. We can't do both. Will he give us water in the desert? Will he continue to provide for all of our needs? Yes, he will. So how does Yeshua restore Israel to trusting God instead of testing him? By his teaching. Much of his teaching ministry is concerned with trusting in the Lord, with having faith. If you have faith, if you trust in God, if you obey his commandments, you can move mountains. If you have faith, nothing will be impossible for you. Yeshua teaches us. He does miracles among us. He teaches Israel not to demand more miracles, but to trust in God because of the miracles. He teaches Israel not to test the Lord, but instead to trust him. As Yeshua himself trusts the Father and obeys him. So we have seen that 
like Dr. Samuel Beckett in Quantum Leap. Yeshua set Israel right where once she went wrong by enabling her to trust God. Israel fell into idolatry, into lack of trust, refusal to listen. But Yeshua redeemed her by becoming the bread of life himself, by teaching Israel to trust God, and by healing her diseases brought on by idolatry. Then at the end of his ministry, he sent his disciples out to continue the work. We need to continue Yeshua's ministry of the restoration of the house of Israel, even today. May we also trust in God and worship him alone and teach others to do so. May we also not test God, but trust him. May we incline our ear to listen to his commandments and teach the same. May we bring healing and restoration just as he did and even greater works than these. And may we fully partner with Yeshua's ministry of the restoration of Israel even in our days. Let's pray.